It's time to take an in-depth look at the gridiron. Now joining us, Pro Football Focus's lead NFL analyst, Sam Monson. Here's a guy that has a deep understanding on In The Zone. You can check out the NFL Week 8 review episode of the PFF NFL podcast with our NFL guru from PFF.com, Sam Monson. Sam joins us now to discuss that and a flurry of news that has come down in the last hour, and we're less than 30 minutes away from the official cap to the trade deadline. Sam, thanks for fitting us in on this very hectic Tuesday in the NFL. Yeah, fun trade deadline day. We've actually reached that uh, stage where things are happening. It's not just this kind of letdown of excitement to the deadline and then uh, nothing actually happening. Yeah, so let's discuss some of these moves. We see Bradley Chubb on the way to the Miami Dolphins. It looks like the most impactful of all the trades that we've seen so far. How good has he been this year for the Denver Broncos, and how much do you think he'll be able to help that pass rush for the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, it's finally we're seeing a healthy season from Bradley Chubb, and I think we're seeing the best of what he has to offer this season. Um, for the majority of his career, he's been kind of banged up and just hasn't necessarily been the guy that he was expected to be when he was the fifth overall pick in the draft. Um, so we're seeing the best version of Bradley Chubb this year, and he's definitely you know a high-quality, decent edge rusher that can make an impact. He's got 26 pressures already this season six sacks. I think it's five and a half maybe by the NFL's official numbers, uh, but he sacked the quarterback six times. Like He'll make a difference to that Miami pass rush. The concern is you know, the money, the, the contract that's, that's going to be due to him and the fact that even now you know, this is the, the, the best version of Bradley Chubb we're seeing. It's still good rather than great, and even now he's like the third best graded edge rusher just on the Broncos. So the cost is a little much for that. When you're giving up a first-round pick, albeit a low one, presumably, and albeit a, you know, a second one, one of two that you've got next year, it's, it's quite a lot of capital to be giving up for a guy that hasn't necessarily shown that truly elite level of play. So can you explain to us novices here, where, well, what's the difference between the factors that you're grading at PFF take into account versus what we see in the the stats that were shown of pass rush win rate, which he ranks third in the NFL. What what's being left out of that stat versus what you guys are grading? Pass rush win rate is a kind of difficult thing because it's it's done by so time and proximity to the quarterback. It's not necessarily done on you know how everybody is is actually looking on the play and whether you're beating beating your blocker or not and how that actually affects the quarterback so one of the things that pff grading is able to do is because it's you know there's a human doing it it's not algorithmic it's not just statistics it's not just done by the the data tracking is you can have an appreciation for how everybody is actually lined up and, and looking on the play and you can tell whether or not a guy is actually beating his blocker getting towards the quarterback or whether the quarterback is even aware that this is happening. You know, there are some times where there's a pass rush win that's taking place, but if the quarterback's reading the opposite side of the field, it's it's not putting him under pressure. He never understands that it's even a thing until the ball's gone. Um, so, you know, I think generally speaking, the PFF grading is just an awful lot more nuanced than any of these pass rush stats that focus uh, or that only kind of 
pull the data from data track or from player tracking or from statistics or anything like that because it can fold in a lot more information because it's it's a human doing this and and you're able to kind of factor in things that the the systems miss out this is why we love bringing you on that was terrific uh let's look also at a couple of past game options that moved on elsewhere chase claypool heads to Chicago. I was shocked that, that, that he went for a second-round pick. What do you think of the deal, and is he the kind of wide receiver that can help elevate Justin Fields' game? Yeah, I get why the Bears would be interested in that. I, Chase Claypool is a physical freak of a wide receiver. He's a big, fast guy with incredible uh, ball skills at the catch point. He's very inconsistent, though, and his route running it, it leaves a little bit to be desired sometimes. So, for Chicago, I think it's a reasonable gamble to try and maximize his potential, and you could also immediately plug him in as the second or, or even the top option in that offense and kind of see him in a slightly different light than other teams would give him the opportunity to, to do because you don't have anybody else. So I think it's a reasonable roll of the dice for Chicago, but from a Pittsburgh point of view, I think getting a second-round pick out of him and potentially a high second-round pick given it's Chicago's pick, um, I think is good business for a guy that they were sort of losing a bit of faith in or that they had slowly dropped down the depth chart because they have better options there. I think that's definitely good business from Pittsburgh to kind of get to cash in to that degree. We're talking to Sam Monson from PFF.com. We also saw that the Vikings are sending a second-round pick over to Detroit, uh, and then some, but that was the, the, the main crux of the deal, for TJ Hawkinson. How much scarier does Hawkinson make that Vikings offense? Yeah, I think it sort of speaks a lot more to Irv Smith, really, than it does about TJ Hawkinson. Um, Irv Smith is you know, incredibly talented guy, but we're now in year three of just constant uh, banged up injuries and they haven't really been able to rely on him. And maybe they've reached the point where they're sort of saying, you know what, it's it's probably not going to happen going forward, or at least we can't rely on it going forward. Um, Hawkinson, you know, another talented guy, a guy that was a really high draft pick, he's never really quite become the player that he was supposed to, particularly as a blocker, given his physical abilities but he should be able to step in immediately and give them exactly what they expected to have this season from Irv Smith. Um, and, yeah, I would say absolutely makes the Vikings a better team going forward. So I told my co-host yesterday that I'm giving Trevor Lawrence until Thanksgiving to cut down on the same dumb mistakes that he makes seemingly week after week. You and I talk about this constantly. Um, and then after that, if he doesn't do that, I'm denouncing my support for Trevor Lawrence, and I have been very supportive of what I think his ceiling is. Would you like to join me on this crusade and just, you know, maybe like another month, and then we kind of have our mind made up? Yeah, I think that's probably a, a fair uh, cutoff point to say it's, it doesn't look like it's happening. I mean, you can definitely make those noises now and say, Trevor Lawrence of today looks a lot like the Trevor Lawrence of, you know, week one in his rookie season or week the first month of his rookie season. You're not seeing a significant development. And we, we've mentioned this before, you know, the caveats of the supporting cast around him, and he's not working from the best situation in the world, but it's still the same thing. It's flashes of perfect plays where he looks like the next Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, you know, the top-end prospect that everybody said he was but it's the frequency, it's the distribution of those plays and what happens in between that just isn't changing. We're not seeing the bad plays get cut down on. We're not seeing the good plays 
increase in rate and frequency. He's the same guy he's been since he stepped uh, foot on the NFL, um, and that's not it's not at the level they need him to be. Yeah, yeah, it's just not getting any better. I'm struggling to find an area where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing really well. Is there anything about them coaching, line play, quarterback play, defense? Is there anything redeemable that you see with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that would give you any semblance of confidence that they could turn this thing around? Um, Not much has been going well, but I think the potential is there for things to be a lot better. I mean, that offensive line, as maligned as it's been, has not actually been playing that badly. It's just that it looks worse because everything else is a mess. Um, They've changed out the left guard from rookie uh, Luke Gadecki. He's been sat down. Um, His replacement, Nick Leverett, has actually looked like an upgrade. So at that point, it is five guys in the offensive line that are fine. Like, the offensive line is absolutely one of the better units in the NFL. Um, Tom Brady, we know how good he can be. Uh, He didn't, you know, he hasn't fallen off a cliff physically. Like, his decline this season is not because he's 45. It's because everything else around him is, is worse. Um, and then the coverage on the back end, we know that that is an incredibly talented group of corners. Even this year, you know, Jamel Dean is grading extremely well. Antoine Winfield is grading extremely well. Levante David, a linebacker, is. We know that that defense is capable of playing a lot better. So things have been going bad for the Bucks, but I think certainly when you compare them to the Packers or the Rams, other disappointing uh, contending status teams, I don't think you can put it down to uh, like a personnel failing or a complete lack of talent in key areas, at which point I think they have a much better chance of pulling their way out of the spiral than those other teams do. All right, let's wrap with this. You wrote an article about the rookies out of this year's first round that are making an impact, and we don't have time to go over all of them right now, but could you highlight one one rookie that really stood out to you that you had a lot of fun writing about that, that's been excelling in the first half of this season? Yeah, I think Jets corner Sauce Gardner looks like one of the best corners in the NFL already. Um, famously, he didn't give up a touchdown in an entire college career. He's given up one so far this season, and it was kind of a miscommunication with the safety. You know, you can be kind and say that's not really on either of them and it's just a a kind of scheme breakdown but he has been absolutely incredible uh, in coverage this season he's been good against the run he's been good in man coverage and in zone coverage he looks absolutely like the real deal and already one of the best players at his position in the league pff.com to read more on that and the other first round picks that sam is in love with early on this season sam monson you can find his work at pff.com thanks so much sam i appreciate it thanks guys Thank you. oh i just <laughs> i got a little trigger happy there whoops I cut him off like mid-sentence as he was saying, yeah, thanks, guys. I think uh, you were just feeling some type of way that he wasn't thrilled about the Bradley Chubb to Finns move. I'm a little bit thrown off by it. I was kind of making a face. I respect his opinion quite a bit. Of course, but I was kind of making a face. Like, any time I've watched a Bronco game, I'm like, they suck, but Bradley (laughs) Chubb is good. I've seen him get after the quarterback. Yeah, but like he said, their grading takes in such nuance. I think Bradley Chubb has excelled at the splash plays. It must be the little things that he's just not doing that well. Yeah. I mean, it's to each his own. You know, I don't know if he's as good as Micah Parsons and uh, Miles Garrett, the way, you know, in that win rate list. But I don't know if it's as bad as the way he almost made it sound, where he's not worth a first round. He He called him decent.
Yeah, Those he, were his did, words. Did he not say he was like the third best pass rusher on the Broncos or something? That's what he said. He ah. said he's the per- third best on the Broncos in terms of their grading system. I don't yeah. know. Sometimes it just feels like too much. I don't know. Sometimes. <laughs> you know, but they, they break it all down yeah. over there. They definitely don't go with the norms. Like, that's one thing that I love about PFF is that you can go online and see the same rankings pretty much everywhere and then go on their website and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, you know? and it looks completely out of whack. Yeah, I mean, I'm an eye test guy. If he, if I see a guy making a difference, changing the game a little bit, not that he's really led to success with the Broncos, though. So, maybe I I'm think gonna... what their grading system shows over the course of time is the type of stuff that that translates to future success. Like they were really high grading wise on Jalen Hurts last year, mm. and it was a little harder to see it. Now it's come together, and their grading on him hasn't really changed all that much. It's just that you know the situation around him has changed, and he is he's a little bit better than he was a year ago. But. A lot better. I mean, I feel like the coaching staff done a great job getting AJ Brown for him too. Yeah, that, well, that has helped a lot. Still to come, Tazi's take around the corner plus Luke Hetrick. I'll ask him if he's Team Keen or Team Plumley. Stick around.